Welcome to Strengthen the Numbers. My name is Wei Chen Yong, a global finance leader that champions environmental sustainability and gender equality. It is my ambition to bring business and social movement leaders to the show, deconstruct with them their stories, lessons learned, into practical advice for us to remain relevant in accounting and finance while making a positive impact to the society. With that, let's go over to the show. Jendra Halima is a global finance leader with 30 years of strategic and operational finance experiences. His industry experiences are diverse, from global business conglomerates to major regional Asia players. In his last role as the regional finance director for Schneider Electric, a global company that provides energy and automation digital solutions for efficiency and sustainability. During his 22 years career in Schneider Electric, he has been posted as country CFO and regional finance leader in several countries in Asia, from Indonesia, where he was from, to six other countries in Asia. He specializes in FPNA, finance operations, risk management, and compliance. In his past finance leadership role, he has been instrumental in setting up commercial and supply chain operations to various corporate functions across Asia. He has a double major in computer science and accounting from the US and later completed an executive MBA program. When he's not working, he can be seen as speaking and writing to the broader finance community in sharing his knowledge, best practices, and insights to enable the finance professional to stay relevant and effective in this fast-changing business world. He's a frequently sought-after subject matter expert in the areas of business transformation, operational efficiency, organization structure optimization, and talent development. We are very happy to have Jendra Halima joining us today on Strength in the Numbers, the SITN, and let us welcome Jendra. Hello. Hi. Uh, this is Jendra Halima. It's a pleasure to be in, uh, in this podcast. I have been talking to Andrew actually since October when we meet in Amsterdam on the Finance 4.0 Summit. And then finally, today, we can manage to do the recording. Thank you, Richard. Yeah. It's a pleasure of having you joining us. So, Jendra, as a start, if you'd like to share with our audience your story, where did you start your career and how did you get to where you are now? Okay, so let, let me start introduce myself in a 3E. What I call 3E is a edu- education, experience and my exposure. So everyone, when you are young, you, you always have a dream. I want to be a pilot. I want to be a doctor. I want to be something else. So actually for me, when I was young, actually my dream is to become a computer scientist. You know, actually that, that's why when I go to the university to study, my major actually is in computer science. So as people mentioned, science is only a science unless you apply it. Right? So when I start to study what I'm going to apply, so I decided to study accounting. So this is where I want to apply uh, the computer science I study in, in accounting and finance. So, but once I get to know finance and accounting, I get very interested <laughs> about business. So at the end, I decided to take a second major in, in computer science. So that's why I graduated with a double major, one in computer science and the other one is in accounting. So when I start, uh, that, that's about my education. So when you talk about my uh, experience, so when I graduate, when I enter into the job market, initially, I think you know during that time, 30, 40 years ago, computer science is a, in a very high demand. It's a high paying job. So it, it took me just less than one month, I find a job in the, as a programmer. So I start my job actually in the IT industry. I, be, I, be, I start as a programmer. I become a system analyst at the end I reached what they call it the IT manager position which is the MIS manager during that time. So once you reach highest position in IT which is the IT manager so you are basically start I reached there at five, uh, after working for more than five years let's say yeah so I become a manager but I think if I could I don't want to continue like this uh, to be an IT manager forever for the rest of my life so I decided to switch my career to to finance so 
one benefit I have is because I was in IT before, so I know a lot of things about how accounting transactions are recorded and so, so forth. So I don't have to start from the bottom in the accounting. So immediately I get the position as an accounting manager. Then I move on to become a financial controller. And then at the end, I reach the CFO position in a company. So that is about my working experience. And you talk about exposure. Actually, I'm quite lucky to work for uh, one French multinational company, which is a Schneider Electric. So during my, uh, my 22 years in Schneider, so I have been exposed to quite a lot of things. So basically, in terms of country, I have been working in six or seven countries. So I, you can look at my, my linking profile if you want to know which country I have been. I will not mention one by one due to the times. Yeah, but I've been exposed to working in uh, seven, six, seven countries in the, in the Asia region. And then in terms of job also, even I'm always in finance for the last 22 years, but I keep changing job every three years uh, in finance. So sometimes I'm in the finance or working on in the R&D center. Sometimes I'm finance working in the in, uh, manufacturing side, distribution center, front office, commercial operation, and some jobs are in business unit and sometimes even in uh, regional office. So that is about my introduction about me from the angle of uh, education, experience, and my exposure. Thank you, Isin. Thank you, Jendra. What a good yeah. way of introducing yourself. Very systematic as well. Maybe a bit of a reflection of your science background. Very methodical, very systematic. So thank you for that. And on that journey, when you talk about, I think, your experience and exposure, if there was one moment that stands out as the best, what would that be? Yeah, du during my 30 years of working career, so there's one job or one career that is very interesting is when I was the Asia-Pacific Industrial Controlling. So this was the time that we had to execute the company supply chain strategy. So basically, this is in Schneider, right? So Schneider, in 15 years ago, already think about uh, how to rebalance their manufacturing footprint from a high-cost country, mainly in, from Europe, to a low-cost country in Asia. So during that time, uh, as Asia-Pacific Industrial Controller, I have the opportunity to really work on the strategy of the, uh, of the company. So I work with the Asia-Pacific Industrial Director and the team then we execute quite a lot of things in terms of in the industrial strategy. So we work on what we call it the industrial productivity topic, something like rebalancing. So we have to rebalance from a high-cost country to a low-cost country, our manufacturing footprint. And we also talk about uh, localization of components. So we are working with local vendors, how to localize our uh, parts of components so that we can have more faster, uh, what they call it, the supply chain. So this time I learned a lot about the manufacturing process. Uh, how, what is manufacturing excellent? What is a Six Sigma? What is a, all of those uh, Japanese, what they call it, the quality management or manufacturing excellent. So, and then I, in, in this uh, job, I also involved in uh, how to set up distribution center. So basically when you move your manufacturing footprint from high Europe to Asia, you also need to have a good logistic or international distribution center. So we set up a, I was involved in setting up the distribution center and also involved in uh, setting up the in international sourcing team. So because during that time, as you are aware, China is always called the factory of the world. So, basically, so we really need to put our sourcing team in China so that we can take advantage of all of the components manufactured in China. So that was the, uh, what they call it, the most interesting career I have during my 30 years. Wow, it's quite an experience. I mean, when you talk about this more than 15 years ago, you were exposed to essentially a globalization strategy that Schneider Electric was embarking on. Rebalancing, reallocating resources. I guess this is something, you know, we can kind of reflect and look at. That was manufacturing 15 years ago. Right now is a finance function and many other functions as well is is experiencing exactly this change. So with that, you know, let's get into, you know, hearing from you with the years of experience that you have. What do you think are the critical skill sets needed for the accounting and finance professionals to remain relevant into the future? And with your technology background, your computer science, you know, education, do you think those skills um, change as we go deeper into the digital age. 
yeah. about this one, what, what do we, uh, the finance and the accounting professional skill set about the future? So basically, I think we all know that like, finance has the best visibility of the end-to-end and many critical data flow. I mean, we, we know what is going on in the company from end-to-end, right? From in terms of financial data or non-financial data. So the, the thing that we need to do is we have to take the lead in any digital transformation in a company. So don't leave it to the C-suite or the IT guy to do it. So get involved in this uh, digital transformation. So uh, in this podcast, I will talk about more on finance transformation, but I just want to make, to make sure that everyone understands that finance transformation is part of the enterprise-wide transformation. So don't do the transformation on a silo basis. Don't do it just for finance without looking at the customer experience transformation, uh, business model transformation, or operational model transformation. It needs to be together. But I'm, I'm going to talk only on finance. So on finance transformation, we basically look at, I make it simple, I, I, I choose the word 4P. So in marketing, you know 4P is a product, price, promotion and place. But in finance, we also have 4P. So the first P is about the people. So when you talk about people, I will speak about skill set and mindset. When you talk about another P, about the process, I talk about delivery model and also the governance. And then the, the third P is about platform. So platform, I'm talking more on technology and the system and partnership is about intelligence and analytics. So these are the four P that finance need to master in, the, in this digital age. So from this four P, yes, uh, people actually, you need to put people at the center of the transformation. It's not the technology, it's not the process and so on, but it's the people. So you put people at the center of the transformation. And then this is, these are the people, if you, give, if you have the right people with the right skill set and mindset, and then you give them the right platform, basically technology and system, and if you, then they can come up with a very good process, efficient process and a good government. This is how we can come up with partnership to bring value to the business. So this is a, in, in summary. Okay. Jendra? Before you go further into 4P, mm-hmm. I think it would be yeah. good for me to yeah. share with our audience who is listening and watching the podcast on YouTube, the finance transformation framework that you talked about. I really like the slide that you have done. So um, let me bring that out on the screen so that those people watching the podcast will be able to see. Okay. 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 Over yeah. to you. Yeah. Okay. So if you see on the if you are on the screen, you can see the four P. So I will start with the first P. I, I do. I talk a bit of detail about the people. So on the people, as I mentioned, people should be at the center of the transformation. So basically, with these people, if they have the right access to the right platform, technology, and system, this is the people that will implement the efficient process to effectively generate a value added. I mean, to the business. So this is the 4P. Then if I go to the P on the people, what are the skill set that we need for, for people to be, to be successful in uh, finance transformation? So basically, uh, we are talking about to be, I mean, today as a finance, technical skill is not enough. You need to have uh, EQ, what they call it, the emotional intelligence. So basically, you need to have technical skill. The analytic skill is there. When you, when you graduate from the university, if you study accounting, but you need to learn about people skill and leadership skill. And then beside that, you also need to know about have business skill and, and uh, digital skill. So these are the skills that we need to, uh, for the finance to be successful in the new digital world. If you talk about uh, what is function of, or mission of finance, as a, as a finance uh, professional, our mission actually has changed. So before actually... Maybe 20, 30 years ago, our mission is basically to safeguard the company asset. So make sure the asset is safe. You do a very good controlling. That's it. That's your job. But today, the thing has changed. Uh, we are, besides safeguarding an asset, we also need to maximize the profit. And at the same time, now we are also asked to maximize the value of the organization. So that's why the finance function has changed. Then when I talk about uh, what is the future CFO today that we need for the business, is basically the future CFO need to become a business value architect. So basically, they need to have a business acumen, how to align strategy across organization. 
And also CFO need to be digital technology savvy. So basically, you need to be an information and technology integrator. You are the one that you need, are expected to integrate all of the technology that is uh, going on inside the organization. Then of course, you have to continue to keep your finance acumen to navigate the business to make sure that we are always in uh, compliance with the regulation and so on. So to summarize, to make it simple to understand, I always talk about in CFO, you need to manage uh, four SIP. There are four SIP you need to manage. One is the controller SIP. Controller SIP, that means you need to ensure government and compliance with efficient process and tool. That's the controller SIP. The second SIP you need to manage is the partnership. So you need to provide intelligent and analytic from strategic decision to tactical action. So this is the second SIP that you need to manage. And then the third SIP is about leadership. So you need to take lead and to inspire others to transform to benefit of the company. So that's why I said at the start, for digital transformation, finance need to take a lead if you want to be successful because we know the end-to-end process of what is going on in the company. Then the last thing, this is quite new, is entrepreneurship. So this is a new SIP that we need to drive today. So we are asked to think and act like an owner. So that's how we can preserve the value and also we create value for the stakeholder of the organization. So just remember this four SIP, controllership, partnership, leadership, and entrepreneurship. Wow, that's so a... that is, uh, yeah. okay. Sorry. Go ahead. That's a great framework and the SIP that you talked about it's uh, fascinating in terms of the foreship that we need to make sure that we are taking uh, charge of. Let's then look into some of the P that you talk about. You know, again, coming back to your technology background, what is your view on the evolution of technology and impact on enterprise information system? Uh, you know, finance is always the one that's supposed to manage the ERP systems and on the digital platform is as well. And how do we prepare for this technology disruption? So uh, I, I talk about technology. I, I, so that means we are going the, the four P. So I, now I move to the P, which is a platform. Uh, this the, the next P is a platform. When I talk about platform, it's about technology and it's about system. Actually, finance have come a long way in, in this uh, tra- technology transformation. So if you remember, if you were well, maybe 20 years ago or 30 years ago, so we used to have the, the term called it island of computerization. So that was before ERP exists. So during that time, so every department had their own, uh, what they call it, a system. So finance had their own system to manage the uh, GL and so on. And then you have uh, logistic, they have their own uh, warehousing system. And then maybe purchasing, they have their own system. Business, they start to have their own system. So we are, during that time, we, have called, we call it the island of computerization. So we come from this stage and then ERP come along integrating all of these systems together. So at the end, ERP become very famous. Everyone talk about ERP. So it's an integrated end-to-end system to manage your, what they call it, the, the information inside the company. But today, we are coming back to the, uh, what they call it, the, the previous problem again. What I call it, uh, from island of computerization, we move to island of digitization. You start to see with ERP maturing, uh, we start to put a lot of BI, right? We put a lot of BI around this uh, add-on system to, to this ERP. So at the end today, every department also have their own BI tool. Right? So everyone, even they take the same data from the ERP system, they do their own analytics, they do their own report. Then today we have the same problem again. So which is, we use the same, everyone, I mean, I, you have the island of digitization. Everyone have their own system. Uh, to manage the business and the problem is sometimes we argue about the number even it coming from the same source from the ERP. So what I see that is coming in the uh, next era is basically there will be a convergence of all of these uh, ERP or EPM or ERM. I, I will explain what is this short form again later to become a one, what they call it, a one digital platform. So this one digital platform is going to serve the whole organization that become a seamless kind of uh, information system to manage the business in the future. So in the next, if that is the second stage. Uh, we have ERP. So the next one will be a one digital platform. 
So in this one digital platform, I speak about uh, ERP. You know what is ERP? That is uh, Enterprise Resource Planning. So you, inside, you also have the EPM, so which is uh, Enterprise Performance Management. So this is basically, you have all of those uh, analytic tools. And then the third part, which is a bit uh, behind today, is a ERM, which is a Enterprise Risk Management. Today, it's become more important, especially when you go to this uh, digital business, digital platform, digital economy. The risk management is quite important today. So the new system, the new one digital platform need to, uh, to embrace these three systems, ERP, EPM, and EERM. I'm looking forward to see this kind of thing emerging because uh, ERP we use today actually is, has been here for many years. So it's good in handling uh, those kind of structure information. So the ERP is an old world, but you have this IoT today is a new world. Right? So IoT is new. So you can get have all of the device connected everywhere in the field. So today the challenge is we need to be able to have this kind of big data collected from distributed asset and device in the field or in the soft floor. How can we uh, channel this information to the C-suite so that they can make immediately operational and strategic decisions. So these are the new thing that is coming in, in the platform world on the, the next P. Okay, I like the so-called analogy that you have made you know, in the past, the island of computerization to right now. We are still on an island, all of us, somewhat that is the digitization as you described. I can definitely relate to where I am right now in my workplace. There are different departments running their own digital reports, but at the same time, similar thing that I'm seeing as what you are envisioning into the future is that digital platform. I'm seeing companies are more and more aware. So at some point, um, data is assets. They're trying to channel and bring this data to one central location, um, which is this convergence that you talk about. Yeah, so next P I'm going to talk about is the process piece. Like process is an is a interesting part. Yeah. So we are in finance. We, when we talk about process, we always think about efficiency. So first thing in our mind is when top process, we talk about efficiency. But I, I just want to make one statement is actually it is possible to be efficient but not effective. So this, is, this thing you need to understand because it's the same thing. You can be effective but not efficient at the same time. So basically in, in finance department, I think for me it's better you have to be more effective first. You make sure you can uh, support the business before you try to be more efficient. So if you have to make a choice, should I be effective or should I be efficient if you have to make a choice? So maybe it's better to go for effectiveness. Make sure you can support the business, even if it takes longer. But once you, have, you become effective, then you can start to work on the efficiency. So, but unfortunately, today in the business world, it's quite difficult. We focus a lot on cost saving, uh, headcount reduction to achieve our efficiency KPI. So this is something as a business leader, we need to think about it. So you, you need to go to the road, be, uh, be effective first before you become efficient. And then the other thing about process, I would like to talk about is about, about the technology. Like technology actually cannot solve the problem arising from the bad processes. So there's a good chance if you just apply a technology to the process, there's a good chance that all of the existing inefficiency, the complexity, the inconsistency, or any duplication in the process, you will just duplicate again in the new, uh, I mean, with, uh, I mean, digital, I mean, in a new technology. So before you, let's say, implement a technology, we have to take really a, a step back or take a bold step to simplify, to optimize, to standardize before we, would, we do the automation. So that is what I see that sometimes uh, process can create a lot of problem in our digital transformation because we focus too much on efficiency, not effectiveness. That is the, the third P I'm talking about. So you have listened to me talking about the first P is the people. The second P is the process. The third P is, I mean, the second piece is platform. The third P is about process. So I'm not, I'm going to talk about the partnership side. Right? So partnership, I think today become uh, very important as, as you know that the IOT has reached the current stage of maturity. So you have a billion of people connected to device and device also con interconnected to each other. 
So now we are very rich in terms of data. It's data everywhere. Data about our operation, data about our customer, data about our industry, and, and so on. So as a finance, actually, we are now under a challenge to how are we going to assemble this data to become information. So this is the first step. So we need to assemble the data to become information. Then once you have the information, then you can start to do the analytic or you start to analyze to give some insight, right? to insight to the business. So this is what happened. This is the, the reason why it happened and so on. Then once you have the insight, then you can start to advise to the business guy to influence them. Right? So you need from, from an insight, you need to give them an influence. You need to influence them that they need to do something. So if you manage to, uh, the business guy buy into your influence, then they can apply the, your influence in their next step or in their next business or in their next business model and so on. So this is how we create an impact and this is how we can achieve a value. So this is how finance are expect, the job are expected to do is basically we have to be how we convert, how do you assemble a data. So at the end of the day, it will create a value for the organization. So in order to achieve this, the scale of finance is also changing in terms of the analytics. So we are now expected not just to report the past, but actually we are expected to create a future. So there's a lot of analytics skill set that need to change. So from a descriptive type of analytics, basically just to tell the people this is what happened, then you need to move to what we call it the diagnostic kind of analytics. So explain to them why it happened. Then today, I think with AI and machine learning, so we are moving to this, what we call it the predictive analytics. We need to be able to see what is going to happen, what is going to happen to the business. And then we move to the prescriptive and the adaptive analytics. Is how are we, what should we do and how are we going to adopt to all of these changes? So these are the four P I'm talking about that we need to master in order to be successful and to stay relevant in this uh, digital world today. Back to you, Richard. Thank you, Jandra. Yeah. I really find this 4P to be extremely valuable, especially for some of our audience to navigating through their career in the midst of change. I mean, there, there's so many wisdom in this 4P for us to think about as we go through the change. And you, you know your suggestion about analytics capabilities, the ability to focus on people, you know, the process itself, its effectiveness that matter, which I've seen company that miss that effectiveness, effectiveness instead they're focusing on efficiency exactly as you said. Now, still on this value and you talk about this chief value architect which I think yeah. you are the very few people that I've, uh, that I've heard that talk about this as a value creator. So to improve the value proposition of us as a finance professional and with your years of experience, we're very keen to understand from you what one or some of the key habit or practice that you have developed over the years, in addition to the 4P, that has contributed to your success. Yeah, so I can say transformation is always about people. So if you look at the enterprise-wide transformation, we always talk about people. Customer is people. So you need to understand customer experience. When you talk about uh, the workforce, it's also about people. You need to understand the organization and the council. Then, of course, in, in finance, transformation is also about people. So basically, people is the one who make the difference. It's not the technology. Technology is just a enable. As I mentioned at the beginning, a sign is a science unless you apply it. Technology is the same. Technology is just a technology unless you apply correctly in the new setup. So it's the people who do all of these things. So there are two things what are important to be successful is today, I think I mentioned about people is about uh, the EQ is more important than IQ today, right? So basically to be successful as a leader, there are one thing, uh, two things very important. I also use the word 2E, right? One is the empathy, the other one is the empowerment. So today, I think with internet and so on, people connection is very high. So we, the internet connect people to people very well. But the problem is this internet does not connect human to human. So you understand what I'm trying to say is people, people are well connected, 
but the human and human are not well connected. Just imagine you go to a restaurant with your friend, everyone is, is connecting to other people. They are not connecting to you because they are play, playing with their mobile phone. <laughs> so this is the problem in our society today. So as a leader, the human connection is quite important. So basically, uh, empathy is one of the things, what I call it the most essential quality of in the civilization. So to be successful as a leader, you really need to be to be uh, to show the empathy. So you need to understand what are the people, what is your people are going through. You need to share their feeling. You need to understand their frame of reference. Right? You cannot just uh, think you are right, but they are wrong. But you need to understand why they do it that way. So this is one point that is very important. So once you have this uh, empathy, and then your staff see that you empathize them and then they will start to open up they will talk to you they will, they will make, make sure that any problem they will tell you so that they can become i mean as an organization we can become more agile and then we can move toward to do something to, to make the organization successful so that is empathy the other part is about uh, empowerment so empowerment is also important in today's world especially with the change in the workforce when you have a all of those young workforce, they want to be empowered. Okay, so, so leadership is about uh, empowerment. It's not about power. Before, actually, leadership is about power. I have the power, I become a leader. But leadership today is not about power. It's about empowerment. So it's not about controlling them, but it's about trust. Then it's not, also not about authority, but it's about delegation. Right? So when I talk about empowerment, is as a leader, you need to be able to get things done through other people. So you need to create a trust so that you create a high-performance culture in the organization. So that, that's why when I said to be successful as a leader and also as to be successful in this era of finance transformation, you need to have a two E. One is the empowerment, the other one is about the uh, empathy. Wow. Thank you for the mm -hmm. additional two E's advice. You started with three E's and the advice to be successful is on two E's, empathy and empowerment. And I cannot agree more. Um, you know, empathy was also what the Microsoft CEO Nadella has caught in his book, Hit Refresh on the Future of AI. Yeah. Exactly to your point, digital and technology progression should not take away the basic quality and attribute for us as a human. And our ability to relate and connect to another human will always be something that we need to have as a finance professional. I mean, I'm, I'm sure our, our listeners are getting valuable you know, insight from you from this two E's for sure. And um, they'll for sure start practicing it as well so that they can better position themselves for success. Now, getting into something more fun for our listeners to get to know you a little more beyond just your successful career in the past with Schneider Electric. So tell us, if there is one book that you, that you will recommend to our listeners, what would that be and why? Yeah, so actually there is one book, uh, it's quite recent, uh, so if you really want to read one book, because you might not have time to read book, you, you prefer to go to internet, you know, to search for podcasts and so on, but there's, if there's one book, you should read the book Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. So this is a very interesting book, so this is the first time I see a writer is criticizing our global leader, our CEO maybe CFO are already successful people, right? but he is criticizing them about playing an infinite game, in playing the finite mindset in the infinite game. So basically, our, our leader today, we, we focus too much on shareholder supremacy. So we are sacrificing people for the, I mean, to, to improve the stock, our stock price. So basically, we are become very, short term in running the business so we have we, we make it like a finite game that you have uh, something to achieve let's say by quarter or by one year but business actually is a infinite game as, as he said so this is something uh, that uh, quite interesting so I, I think if you have time to read i recommend you to read this book especially when he talked about the the, the five things five essential practice you need to do uh, I really interested about what he mentioned about just cause. A just cause is what gives our work meaning. So that means when it's about just cause, it's about what they call it, uh, the, the vision of the future. Right? So what do you want the organization to exist uh, for the long term? It's not just for the short term. 
Okay, so that's the book I recommend. Yeah. Wow, I heard of this book, but I haven't had a chance to pick it up. But after what you said just now, for sure, I'm going to read this book as well. And on that, you know, infinite game or infinite nature of business in your mind, you know, given the fact the business is going to exist or corporation, any areas that the finance professionals can perhaps go after if they wish to add value over the longer term and in a sustainable manner. So as a finance, actually, we always said we are sitting at the front seat. We are driving the business, right? But today, I think we have, in terms of our, what they call it, the moral obligation, we need to do more instead of just chasing for bottom line and so on. So I think we really need to deliver value, not just to the stake, to the shareholder, but we need to deliver to the stakeholder. So I, I give you an example. Uh, one, uh, one statement is uh, business need to make profit to survive. So we are all agreed, right? And human also need to eat to survive, right? So that is clear. But that does not mean that human only live to eat. And it does not mean business only exists for profit. So this is something, uh, maybe that's what Simon is also mentioned in his book is, we are too focused on profit. So at the end, we, the business exists only on profit. So if I start to relate this to the Maslow, you know, the, the hierarchy need of a human being. So when we talk about food, you are at the lowest level. So basically, if you make profit, it's the same as food. Actually, business are only chasing at the basic need. So basically, we just want to eat to survive. We just want profit to survive. But if you look at ourselves, let's say if you are the leader, Actually, you already reached the stage four. You already have the self esteem, right? So, but why your action is just for the basic need, just for the physiological need that is the make profit for the company. So, this is something I think we as a, it's, it's not going to change over time because of the, the pressure from the market and so on. But this is something we need to think about. Uh, how are we going to make business is more, uh, long term instead of just focusing a very short term and we have been treating let's say if you look at the what happening in the company organization or in the business world today uh, some company are very proud when they announce that they are going to do restructuring right? they announce it why they announce it is because once they announce maybe the share price will go up so that is one of the biggest problem is we have been treating people like a cell in the Excel spreadsheet. So you can just balance to make a profit and then you reduce the headcount. So that I think that is the, the problem we are facing today. And then the, I, I think uh, I, I will not talk a, a, a lot more, but basically I think we need to start to think about how are we going to think more long-term instead of just focusing on short-term profit in the organization. You are absolutely right. Cannot agree more. Um, but it's the way I look at it is a bit of a philosophical question as well. We realize, you know, we should not just exist to, to eat. As you say, you, you make me yeah. laugh when you talk about, you know, make profit and, yeah. and exist only to eat and leave. But then, you know, business continue to behave in a similar manner, although we are seeing changes that is happening, but it's, in my view, maybe a little too slow. So it's, it's philosophical and you talk about Maslow as well. Indeed, and a lot of the companies, in fact, or even the people at the leadership position, they are well aware that it should not be, it should not be at the bottom of that hierarchical but still we're chasing around that hierarchical but um that's um that'd be interesting but now let's get to something that's a little tricky the question that i'm going to have have three dimensions what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received or you know what advice will you give yourself to the younger self of yours when you first started your career so that's dimension number one. Second, advice to cfo and finance leaders and last, not least, advice to the broader finance community. So I, I will start with, I think it's an interesting part to advise to the young starting, I mean, a 20 or 30 years old CFO. I, wish, I think I share my experience at the beginning. So I took double major, computer science and accounting. So I think for the, it helped me a lot to be frank. So when you have this double major, it's really complement each other. That's how I move very fast to become a finance leader in the organization because you in the computer science and accounting you can see everything uh, what happened in the company and so on so for the next generation actually 
we are talking about data science. Right? So basically, if you are young, you have time to study, study the data science because data science is today is the is the hot kind of profession. Like before, computer science is a hot profession. So today, if you are just uh, with equip yourself with a technical thing like uh, accounting, finance, and so on, without uh, this data science capability, then you might lose to someone who has this kind of exposure. So because today, as uh, most things has been automated, right? So at the end of the day, what is left for finance is more in terms of how do you analyze the data. So the data science will come into the picture. Then of course, uh, as I mentioned, the EQ part is also important beside the data science. So this is my advice to the, to the young 20 or 30 years old, but to the seasoned CFO or the finance leader, so I think there's one thing we need to do is, as I mentioned in the Maslow hierarchy, most of us have reached the state of self-esteem. But how are you going to move to the self-actualization is basically something that you need, you, 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 you have to become the most what you can be, right? So don't continue to work, to chase the title, to chase the money. Do something for the finance community. If you go to LinkedIn, right, basically you can see maybe only 1% of people who really write something, who really comment something, who really post an article. The rest, 90, maybe 99% people are active reading the LinkedIn. So, but actually you are the senior leader. If you share something or give some, put, I mean, you, you have to share something. Don't just take something from the LinkedIn, but give out something so that we can all progress to become better finance profession. So one thing I, I'm very uh, admire, uh, one guy I admire is uh, Andrew Cott, so the one who, who run this uh, SDIN. So, so I think he, he has done something. He is very passionate about knowledge selling. So I met him in uh, Amsterdam, so I'm very impressed by him. We, we, were, we, we were the speaker in the Finance uh, Summit 4.0 over there. So I'm very impressed by him. That's why I do the podcast today, you know, because I know there is something we can do as a leader in the finance. So that is about my advice to the senior leader in finance. And then for the finance community in general, I think this is one thing we need really to look at our profession. I think we are today at an inflection point, you know, whether we will make it or we will fail. So today, uh, we need to, uh, business is redefining the business model and so on. But finance transformation, I think we are a bit slow. So if I, I have been, I graduated more than 30 years ago. So if I go back to my, look at the accounting curriculum today in the university. So basically, we are still studying the same old course. You know, we have a finance accounting, cost accounting, management accounting, auditing, taxation, and so on. And then the same thing with our professional certificate. We only certify the competency, let's say, of people, I mean, the, the, the hard skill or the technical skill. If you look at the CPA exam, basically, we, we certify a lot about the technical skill. So, but when all of these uh, things can be automated, I, I, I don't say uh, it's not important, so don't get me wrong. Certification is important, so it's an entry ticket to the finance job. But the problem is that we need to do something as we need to, about the specific than EQ so that we can progress as a, to be successful in the new digital world. Right? So another one thing I, I like to highlight to the, Maybe the accounting profession is more on the accounting concept like, or the principle, which I think we might need to refresh or because we are reaching the obsolete stage of this thing. Like, we continue to talk about debit, credit, balance sheet, and so on. And then to, we always think in the new digital world, we always say uh, people and data is the most valuable asset in the company. Like, you always hear this word. But when you look at the balance sheet, where is the people? There is no value at all. We don't put value on people. We don't put value on data in our balance sheet. I think that is one of the problems that today, that's why restructuring can happen very easily because I can write off the people without impacting my PN, operational PNL. It's a non-recurring expense. But when I, when I write off my asset, it's impact my performance. So sometimes we choose to write off people in, instead of writing off the fixed asset. And then the other point I also want to mention about our... That one that before was about balance sheet. Now I'm talking about uh, profit and loss. Profit and loss is the same. We need really to do something about profit and loss. If you look back to the profit and loss, where do we start? The P&L start when we have revenue. 
revenue start is when we have invoice. Eh? But today, if you go to the digital business, a lot of things is happening before we issue the first invoice. How about the customer we acquire? How about the number of clicks that they go to our website? How about the number of clicks someone try to understand our product and so on? That one, everything has to actually have an intrinsic value. Right? So you can see why now investors are paying a lot for share price, even a company is losing money. So these are the two things in terms of uh, finance. I think we really need to see what we can do. So balance it, we don't value people and data. Income statement is the same. Like we don't value something that is happening before revenue is happening. So I think it's take, I don't have the answer to be frank, but I think this is something we need to look at in the finance community or finance education or the finance professional. Very comprehensive from individual advice to you know giving back to the society and community. And I guess you have just opened up a much bigger question in terms of the current education system and structure. And are we seeing or valuing reporting um, the right thing and what can we do? Uh, I don't have an answer as well, and, but it's definitely something we'll get our audience to think about after you know they listen to you. You know, with all this advice that you've given us, we are very keen to understand what are your priorities over the next 12 months and what action are you taking to achieve them, given the fact that you seem to know everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, maybe it's surprising for someone who, who listened to this podcast. Actually, uh, starting this year, 2020, to the start of the century, I have decided to take career big, a career break. So people, a lot of people ask me questions, what happened? Why did you do that? And I, but some people always say, I wish I can do the same like you. Yeah. So why I think uh, I take a career break is, uh, actually, I, five years ago, actually, I read one article about the Google CFO. If you know him, it's uh, Patrick Pichet. He's, uh, I think he's a Canadian who decided to quit his, uh, I think his uh, annual salary, part bonus, everything is about $5 million. Then he quit his job in 2015 at the age of 52. And then he said he is trying to spend more time with the family and travel around the world. So that is the moment that really changed my way of thinking about life. You know? And then I start to think, maybe he's right. Of course, I don't, have, uh, I don't earn five million, but I think he's right. We need to do something because in, in this world, you either uh, you have time, uh, there is time, money, and energy. Right? You, when you are young, actually you have time, you have energy, but you don't have money. But when you start to work, you stabilize, you know, and reach a certain level, you have the time, uh, you don't have time. You have money, you have energy, but you don't have time. So, but when you get old, you have time, you have money, but you don't have energy. So you need to break that part, you know. So taking a career break, or let's say taking a sabbatical leave, I think it's a good thing to do. So basically, you try to break that cycle. Then you try to do something for your family or doing something you enjoy, like traveling or, I don't know, just go around the world and so on. Because we don't want to be stuck in the situation. Uh, I always like this joke. is uh, you, you were born in the hospital. From one building, you move to the school, which is another building, you know, a university or school. Then after that, you move to another building, which is uh, office. You know, you move to another building. Then you don't want to end the office life moving back to the hospital. You, know, you need to break somewhere. So that's why uh, I, I decided to take this six-month or maybe 12-month break. Uh, I cannot afford maybe for one for long term. But at the end, uh, this is what I want to do now, uh, to do something for my family and also to do some of my patients, which is uh, traveling around the world. Yep, that's my one thing I, I like to say about uh, what I'm going to do in the next six to 12 months. Wow, wonderful okay. to hear. We all need yeah. to do something for ourselves. You are definitely mm -hmm. right on this. And thank you, Jendra, for joining us today and your time as well. The four P's, people, platform, processes, and partnership that you talk about around finance transformation framework certainly serves as a valuable tool for our audience as they navigate through changes at their workplace. 
or the business. And just as you said, today's rapid technological changes are unlike what we have seen before. And this can have very profound impact for many of us, especially in the finance and accounting profession, because we tend to be the asset that can be written off, as you described earlier on the balance sheet, quite unfortunate. But I do like in particular your reminder to us that we need to embrace disruption for technology. But we also need to focus on humanity, the need to empathize and empower our teams so that we can have a successful and, and rewarding career. So um, wonderful and great advice. As we wrap up our conversation, any parting thoughts for our audience? So basically, uh, I would like to say life is about making choices. So you need to make a choice. Right? So as I described to you uh, before, I mean to the audience before, so you need to make a choice. Life is about making choices. You cannot have everything. So make your own decision. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, there's choices. So if our audience wanted to continue the discussion and talk to you about choices, what is the best way for them to reach out to you? I'm quite active in LinkedIn. So basically, they can connect with me in LinkedIn. There's one place uh, they can find me. They can find... Uh, Sometimes when I have time, I write an article. Especially now, I have more time. I will write more articles. Yeah. And also, if they want to email me, uh, my email is chandra.halima at gmail.com. So they can write to me. Then just drop me a mail or just send something in LinkedIn with me. Then we can connect to each other. I also like to learn from you guys the audience, I know you have something to share with me for sure, something to improve what I, I am today, okay? Thank you, Jendra, once again for spending time with us, talking to our audience about, you know, your journey, your life, choices that you've made right now, which is a very critical and important choice, and the experience that you have, um, not to talk about some of the technical advice in terms of 4Ps, digitalization and technology. And so... You know, with that, we wanted to wish you all the very best with the break you're taking now to refresh and refocus on what's next in life. Thank you, Jandra. Thank you for, uh, for your time, Vijian, and also to Andrew. So giving me this opportunity to, to say something in the podcast. I really support the podcast. Thank you. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed the show today. If you'd like to know more of our guest mentor today, their bio and resources, you can find all that at sitnshow.com. You will also get access to early show, blog, also for subscription to our newsletter for activities and resources that are going to help you continue to build your strength and capabilities along the journey of finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback and suggestion. Or if there's a guest mentor that you'd like to hear on the show, drop me a message on LinkedIn. I would love to connect and hear from you. Let us keep building our strength in the numbers while growing a finance community that contributes positively to the society.